Okay, so I'm nervous. <laughs> Are, Are you, you nervous? I'm nervous. Well, I'm often in front of a live audience of 13-year-olds, so a live audience <laughs> They're of, way like, worse of, than of grown-ups feels fine. A hundred Democrats <laughs> yeah. are better than... <laughs> yes. Yes. I, it's weird, because, like, we've done a live episode before... That was like an intentional live. We've done a couple of live episodes, but usually there the format isn't quite. Yeah, right. The Us. same. This is like a real deal episode. It's going to air next week. I all, I woke up this morning. I was like, oh my god, what are we doing next week? There have been times we have like a bunch in the can, and then there are times where we're recording the weekend before every yeah. weekend for a while. Like this morning, Eric was like, "Where's my episode?" And I was like, "Oh, it's Happened live." At 2 p.m. He was like, "It's what now?" <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyway, welcome everybody to Faded Mates. I'm Sarah McLean. I write romance novels and I read romance novels. And I'm Jennifer Prokop. I'm a romance reader and critic and not afraid of crowds. Not afraid of crowds. <laughs> I'm usually not, but weirdly I'm nervous. Tell everybody why I'm nervous, Jen. Well, because we right now are recording our live episodes with our Faded States listeners as they write postcards to voters in Georgia or letters. We actually, one of the things that's really cool about these letter writing campaigns is there are lots of different organizations doing them. So this is also, if you are listening at home and not here with us today, not too late for you to do this. You can go ahead and um, we'll put some of the information on our website. There's lots of different organizations doing this. It's especially helpful in Georgia because um, lots of people don't have high um, speed internet, so it's just one other way to get in touch with voters. We will also have one more Faded States phone bank the night before the election, which is January 4th from, is it 5 to 7 Central? Is that right? I think yes, so. Yes, that's right. Yeah. It's, I'm, I, we had a phone bank this week to yeah. Georgia, and I feel like the poor, unfortunate voters of Georgia are like, please stop calling during dinner. True. Just lose our number. But we had lots and lots of really great calls, too. And people, of course, every time, right? So Wait, Victoria. Yes. Victoria joined us. One of our our phone bankers uh, called a man named Thomas sure. called for a person named Thomas at a at a at a home, um, and Thomas's mom answered and said, "Oh no, Thomas isn't here. He doesn't live here. Uh, he hasn't lived here because he's isolating because of coronavirus." And you know, she was like, "Well, okay." And the woman said, "Do you know who Thomas is?" And it turned out Thomas was John Ossoff himself. <laughs> sure. And so Victoria got to talk to John Ossoff's mom. <laughs> faded the faded states phone bank. You're gonna call somebody. You're gonna call the camp candidate themselves. You stick around long enough. I mean, and then Kelly told this great story about how when she was text banking in Chicago for what, a local, like a local election? A friend of hers, text bank Barack Obama. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Hi, Barack. Amazing. Hey. Hey, what's up? Sure. (laughs) So yeah, for those of you who don't know, there's a runoff election in Georgia. Here we are. Yes. Um, But we're not, we went through a lot of options for this phone bank because we were trying to figure out, like, should we do books from Georgia? About Georgia. Yes. Then we couldn't think of that many books about Georgia, except for Queen Move. We knew Queen Move, but we just talked about Queen Move. There are some great Georgia authors in Romancelandia, right? Um, Vanessa North lives in Georgia. Um... Vanessa Riley. Vanessa Riley. I was like another Vanessa. Piper Hughley. Um, Kennedy Ryan. Kennedy Ryan. Cerecia Glass. Um, so there are quite a f- I, I mean, a lot of people who I think we could have. We feel you know, great about Georgia. 
We feel great about Georgia, but this week I also felt great about not assigning myself a lot of extra reading. So, no. So we picked, so we picked, then we went around about like, well, maybe we should do Elizabeth Lowell contemporaries. Yes. Which now is like sidelined. We're definitely going to go back to Elizabeth Lowell contemporaries because I want to talk for a full hour about heroes who can scent pregnancy. Obviously. And then, um, well, then there was the short lived Fabio idea. Remember a couple weeks ago? Okay, so someone on Sarah's Facebook group. Okay. <laughs> Facebook group, the right old school For romance years, book club. Like yes. Three years ago, posted this. A request. <laughs> Go ahead and say for, it. So every once in a while, somebody on the, the old, well, it's not called the Old School Romance Book Club anymore, but it's called OSRBC, which stands for Old School Romance Book Club. Um, and like three years ago, someone posted, uh, like, help me find this book request, which if you're ever looking for an old romance novel and you can't, you can't find it, you can't place it, come on over to our Facebook group. We'll put links in show notes and you can post it and someone there for sure will find it for you. But this was years ago and someone said, I I remember reading a romance novel where a wave crashed over a couple on a beach and the wave was so strong that, oops, they were boning. (laughs) Which... I'm like, wait, they didn't have clothes on, apparently. There's so many no. questions I have and about... We, I mean, for it... years, we have spent... Like, this is this is a legend in OSRBC, in the Facebook group. And Jen... And so, wait, what? It's in the chat. I so someone you. sent us a DM that was like, I think it's Pirate by Fabio. And we were like, of course. And of course it's by Fabio. Because of course it is. Fabio, famously of cover model fame, at some point had a couple, uh, I don't know, hired somebody from Fiverr, whatever Fiverr was in the 90s. No, it's, that's not fair. <laughs> Hang it on, was an I'm actual, looking it up. It was an actual ghostwriter. I mean, we don't think Fabio really it's, wrote she, it. She's not a ghostwriter. She's like a real person, man. Don't disrespect this woman who we can't remember. Okay, obviously. Anyway, someone in the DMs was like, I think it's Pirate by Fabio. And so Sarah and I had this grandiose plan that we would read this book and this would be our our episode this weekend. But it's not really available except in like no, real we, shady we ways. Were trying, yeah, you can't get it. Avon, we would like Fabio's Pirate to be available in E, please, so that we can read it. Although now we've just bought, both bought it used. But the name of the woman is Eugenia Riley. And I'm sure somebody listening, um, like, has has read Eugenia Riley's books. Now I really want to read them. Um, because clearly, you they they had to pick a like sure. there was no way they were gonna pick a writer who like was the right aesthetic of course for I mean Fabio. I'm, I'm sure I like to admit I've actually spent some time thinking about it this week yeah I mean I'm sure Fabio like <laughs> I'm unsurprised by blew this, by into a coffee shop with this woman and was like a pirate a wave hair over his you know and had like a couple ideas and she's like all right give me a couple months i'll get back to you with this well, script right? listen i read some of the like some of the dialogue from this book and for sure this hero it was voiced by fabio like fabio <laughs> sat down with her and was like this is what i would say in that scenario um because it felt real fabio-y which cool 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 um, speaking of, we're going to talk about pirates today. So We are. But then we decided it was too much of a risk. We wanted to just talk about something we really loved with you all. And so we landed on Julie Garwood. Jen's is, OG. 
favorites. Oh my god, OG favorite for sure. I don't know how we didn't read why didn't we read her during season two? I have no idea. Was it sir. just because we talked about the bride a bunch? Like, maybe. We just felt like we, we did just, it. The bride is in the ether for us. Maybe. So. Maybe. Can I tell one more story? And and Kelly is on the call, so I'm gonna like all right, many years ago, I believe that Kelly was on a plane and sat next to Julie Garwood's brother. And I don't know if she remembers telling me the story, but she was like, I was <laughs> on a plane. She's like, really? I know. <laughs> I was on a plane and I was sitting next, and I never remember anything, so this could be totally fucked up and wrong. Where she was like, I was on a plane and this guy and I were chatting, and he was like, Yeah, my brother, my sister writes romance novels. And Kelly was like, Do you know this woman, Julie Garwood? And I was like, You sat next to someone related to Julie Garwood? I have Wait. no idea if this is real or not, but. So here is my question. Does and I don't think we've ever gone into this like best friend layer of <laughs> our lives, which is weird, but here we are. We everybody knows who best friend Kelly is. So is Kelly a romance reader? Like you were? Like, did you read romances together? No, she was a horror reader and I was a romance reader. Ah. And so she, Kelly's like talking, but we I know can't hear we you. can't we can't hear you, Kelly. <laughs> Right. So what she said is, and this is true, is I mostly read romance, but occasionally she would be like, wait, this horror book is so amazing, you have to read it, right? And the reverse was true. You were not both, like, super-duper romance readers together. No. Because I had that friend in high school. My friend Lindsay was, like, we became friends because I snuck, I've told this story before, I snuck Joanna Lindsay books in into geography class and, like, read them inside my geography textbook. And she sat next to me and was like, I also read Joanna Lindsay. I also, <laughs> I also love the Mallory's. Yeah. yeah. And, that, and now we are friends forever. We were definitely super readers together, right? I mean, we read a lot of things in common, I would say, through middle school that were the same. I have very fond memories, for example, of what I would call a romance horror, like a YA book called The Ghosts of Departure Point. I don't know. Yeah. Nope. She's like, yeah, baby. Like Rebecca? Uh, I don't know. It was like some teen drama. Kelly, what Kelly's saying is she remembers when I found the bag of books in my grandma's basement. And she, um... That's it. Seminal moment. Right. Absolutely. But I would say in in general, she was horror and I was romance. And we would share our favorites. So, sitting next to Julie Garwood's son, going back to the story, sitting next to Julie Garwood's son on an airplane was, like, fun for her as your friend. Yes. But, like, you would have passed out. Probably, or maybe sure. just asked him, like, a thousand questions. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I, from what I remember, he sort of disclosed it at the end of the flight, maybe. Like it was <laughs> Well, you know, you hear stories about this. Like, I once met somebody who, um, who's, who worked at a hotel. In fact, it might have been a person. I might have been in a hotel. And she told me that uh, at some point, Clayton McNaught had oh. checked into the hotel. And she had said, oh, that's so funny. My favorite book is like the main character's name is Clayton and it's written by a person named Judith McNaught and she was and he was like that's my mom. <laughs> that's wild. We right? will come back around someday to what the naming protocol is for romance novelists and their children and their heroes, but not today. We'll <laughs> not leave today. that for today. We're going to leave it. So um, the OG Julie Garwood though, I don't remember necessarily which one I read first, but I do have I have, well, I would say I have these two. I have the the gift and the secret. I have my original copies, which you can tell because 
if you're looking. They're um, painted. They're painted yellow on the edges. And one time, I think I asked you, like, why are these old paperbacks yellow? Yeah, I feel like now now we're too far down the hole in this romance podcast for me to remember every conversation we've we've talked about exactly on the air um but yeah those that was a thing that was done to high like that that was one of the things that happened um kind of in the heyday of romances they would paint the edges of the like big books on the shelf and that was again we've talked about this for sure but you know when romance was originally the romance packaging was originally conceived it was conceived to for ease of use for um largely men who were um um stocking shelves in grocery stores and drugstores and places where you would buy mass market paperbacks. And so the covers, which were clinch covers, were one signal that, um, you know, the book was a a lady book um, (laughs) versus a book for everyone else. And, um, And then once your name got big enough, like there's a big, we can all, we've all seen these books, like show those, show that cover again to everybody and we'll put this in show notes, but that cover of the gift or in the secret, well, the gift has people on it, but the secret, it's just a gigantic Julie Garwood. Right. And then the title is the secret. And so the theory is like, at this point, everybody knew who Julie Garwood was well enough that it, they would just buy the book with Julie Garwood on the cover. It didn't have to have a beautiful Right you know, couple in flagrante right. <laughs> on the cover. Like, you were just like, Julie Garwood, yes, right? Right. Um, and so the painted edge was another way to code to stalkers in these places that these books were, this was like a top book of the month. And so they would put it at eye level instead of up or down on the shelf. I mean, all of this is, I mean, I, I people always sort of, they they often come for me when I'm like, Romance novels are cereal boxes, but they are. Like, I, yeah, I, right. I stand by it. Like, they're designed for mass consumption. And the idea is, like, you want the cover to look the way, you know, you buy Cheerios because it's Cheerios and it looks the way it does. Not, like, Stop and Shop O's on the bottom. Not that there's anything wrong with Stop and Shop brand anything. Sure. I just looked at these. I, I believe I sent you the... Um, the copyright page from one of them. I am pretty sure these are like the first printings of these books because it has the like yeah ninety two first printing that number yep. one on the bottom the number one yeah. Oh, um, me. So wait, what is that? The gift that that's for both of them. But I think I sent you the secret. God, she was fast. Yeah. Was she? The gift was also nineteen ninety two. No, the gift was ninety one. The secret was ninety two. Okay, I read the gift today. Okay. So, oh, let me tell my story, my Julie Garwood story. So, I started reading Julie Garwood right around the, I, 1991, 1992 was like the sweet spot. That's right when I discovered romance novels. I mean, I was eighth grade. It was eighth grade. I was, <laughs> I was keep, I was hiding them in geography. Um, and um, I, so I found these at the same time I found like Joanna Lindsay and Jude Devereaux mm-hmm. and all of those, and Judith McNaught, like right. those kind of four women were the, the cornerstone writers for my romance discovery. And, um, and I of course read all of them. The Gift was my favorite, which is why I reread it today. Cause I haven't reread it in a long time. And Garwood was, like, the one who, like, McNaught wrote Medievals, but she wrote enough other stuff that it, you didn't feel like you were, 
like she was the medieval writer. Right. And then, um, but it felt like Julie Garwood, like in my head, is the Scottish historical, like the Scottish medieval writer, right? Which is yes. why I was so surprised when I reread The Gift this week. And it's set in the Regency, but we'll talk about like that. Sure. Well, and then remember afterwards, then there was a an American series she had. Oh, yeah. Well, right, right around the same time everybody else did American. Sure. Right? Like Jude sure. Devereux did the Montgomery's in America, like the Velvet yep. trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, did you ever read those? I'm Must've. sure I did. And then right? there was like Twin of Ice, Twin of Fire. Oh, like, yeah. I remember those. And they all had names like, I don't know, Colt. Colt <laughs> Coltrane. <laughs> Like, oh my God, yes, absolutely, yes. Um, No, and that was when we talked about this, like Sandra Brown did her American, like there was a time Mm -hmm. when Americans were popular and it was a short time. Yep. And then it went away. And yeah, and everybody just went back to writing about England again. Yeah. Um, But I went to RT um, back in the, like, there was a time, in the time before time, yes. <laughs> there were, there was a, a conference, a yearly conference, and it was called RT, and it was um, hosted by RT Book Reviews. RT stood for Romantic Times. Mm-hmm. And they, um, and so Romantic Times, like, had it was a it was a like a magazine a book review magazine and it was romance novels exclusively um and they had an annual conference where they would have cover models and like it was like the place where you went to and and the woman who owned RT a, a woman named Catherine Falk yeah we um, talked about her with Steve Amidown on yeah. on the episode where we talked about Vivian Stevens because she was like there at the start she knew everybody she was amazing and I I mean I speak in her in the of her in the past tense. I, I think she is still alive and but well. RT, just, is, RT is no longer. Right. Um, anyway, Jude Devereaux, and she could get anybody to these conferences, right? Like, sure. the, the legendary thing is, like, this is the conference where E.L. James, like, turned up and, like, was sitting in the audience on <laughs> pa- in panels instead of, like, being on the, <laughs> on anything. Um, but anyway, we were there, and um, this, she had this panel that was Julie Garwood and Jude and Jude Devereaux together. And it was like, how could this possibly? Like magic, like, yeah. It was like my dream panel. And I was, you know, 12 and a half years old. Like I was the <laughs> babiest of babies. And I stood in line after to meet them. And I met Julie Garwood first, like, and she was up on like the dais, you yeah. know, like they were leaning over. It was like not a formal meet, but like everybody just rushed the stage when it was over to shake hands and like tell these two women who hadn't been to RT for years, like that they were like the people who made romance happen for us. And I, I was holding it. I was so cool. And then (laughs) I like, she turned to me and she smiled and I just like kaboom burst into tears. Wow. And I was like, I, I'm so embarrassed (laughs) by this moment. And you know, like, I'm sure she was like, this is the 43rd time someone has burst into tears in front of me (laughs) this hour. (laughs) And I burst into tears and I was just like, and all I could say was like, I wouldn't be here without you. Like, I I wouldn't be here without you. And I'm sure she was like, pat, pat, go. I don't remember what she said. I was just, like, hot with, like, excitement. One of my greatest sadnesses of this year is that KissCon was canceled because I feel like it 
is if you anybody listening ever has the chance in the future when we can can do these things again to go to a romance reader convention it really there really is something magical about it because every person you sit down next to wants to talk about their favorite books every person you see loves the same thing you do it's amazing and i imagine that you have had now your fair share of people burst into tears in front of you Oh, sometimes right? that does happen. And it's yeah. it's always wonderful. Like, of course. It's hard to believe that anybody would feel that way about your own, like, blubbering mess. But, like, I have to tell you, anytime anybody cries for me, like, yeah. it feels, I mean, like, it's wonderful. And I get up and I always give them hugs. Of course. You know who else hugs anybody who cries? Nora Roberts. Well, Nora Roberts is our queen, so that's fine. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Nora Roberts. Fabulous. Also, also, though, Nora Roberts is also willing to cut you off at the knees if you disrespect her. So she and contains multitudes, so and I respect it. it right? May we all grow up to be Nora Roberts. <laughs> yes, right. And and have self-respect the way Nora Roberts does. Absolutely, absolutely. So let's start off by talking about, I mean, let's talk about, like, Garwood. Yeah. Like, why? okay, why do we, because here's the thing, this woman writes she writes a Julie Garwood book. Like, we've talked before about, like, character and conflict and voice and authorial voice and how hard it is to really, like, understand it or articulate it. But, like, you know a Julie Garwood book from 50 Paces. Yes. Well, and you know what? I think it was um, on Twitter. A woman I follow named Lily used the word imprinted. I imprinted on Garwood. Mm -hmm. And never before have I felt like, I was like, yes, that is exactly right. And every time I read it, I see the footprint of so many tropes that I love so much. Oh my God. So many. (laughs) So many. This is the foundational place where we all learned mine. Right? Yeah. Oh. Well, and we are not even talking about the bride. Like, I feel no. like we're still saving up. Like, season four, we'll do the bride. But, like, we're still saving up Alec Kincaid. It's like, we can't look at him. He's too bright. Like, looking <laughs> at him is like looking at the sun. <laughs> him and Derek Craven together. If we created a second, if we had to create a second holiday, I guess it would be Alec Kincaid. Wait, what's the Star Wars planet with the two suns, right? Isn't it? Like, where yeah, right. doesn't Luke live on a planet with two suns? This Hoth. is it. This is yeah. ours. <laughs> Uh, Tatooine, you're right. Thank you. So, Everyone. see, this is useful. We should do this more because we don't have time. Look anything the up. we don't know, people know. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> usually, we have to like stop and be like, "You said Hoth. You so that's the ice planet, you dummy." And then we have to take it back out. Eric, remove vengeance as Hoth. <laughs> um, so I feel like. I mean, so obviously it has to do with the way the hero is. Um, there are things about it. N- uh, yeah, I want to, like, you the hero s- is it. The hero like, is it. It's him more than, I think, any other piece, but go on. The, it's One of the things that's really interesting for me now, reading them, is often the the heroine is, it, like, I'm not sure Julie Garwood's books pass the Bechdel test, Right. Her, her heroines are really alone. That's not really fair. No, and that's fine. Very few romance novels pass the Bechtel test. I don't think that's as true anymore. Well, sure, but I mean, like, truly the Bechdel test. Like, where of course. they never bring up the other character, they never bring up the love interest? Come on. No, but nobody, nobody no, no, wants no. those scenes. The Bechdel test is they talk about something other than a man. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, but like, you still talk about the man. You just have to talk about other stuff, too. 
Oh, wait, is that the rule? Like, you can talk about both? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, all right. Well, then Yeah, fine. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Then I'll allow it. But I, it's not even that part. It's the, it's that she, you know, the heroine is like, you know, taken off by the, the, wait, the what did Scotsman. you read? I read The Wedding today. Okay, so is she, how old is she? I don't know, like 12 and a half. No, I'm kidding. I think I mean, like 20. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, very young, right? They, uh, th- I'd forgotten how many of her books really start off with like the, him meeting her when she is a child. Well, I mean, I read The Gift. Yes. So, can I just talk about the beginning of The Gift? Which yes. I actually believe. So, there's this adage in romance that like, and I think maybe in publishing in general, like the, when people get, when people say like, oh, I'm learning how to write, like I'm writing my first book, they get mm-hmm. a lot of terrible advice, like truly terrible advice. Don't take anyone's <laughs> advice when you're writing your first book. Just write your book. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that you hear all the time is like, oh, there shouldn't, you shouldn't have a prologue. And in part, this is because... Is it Melody or Aaron? Yeah, right. Aaron, I think. <laughs> uh, Aaron on Heaving Bosoms is like, I don't read prologues and I don't read epilogues, which, I mean, <laughs> what? I've taken this up with management over there, but fine. <laughs> so, um, but they say you shouldn't read, you shouldn't, you shouldn't write prologues. Right. But like, Lord of Scoundrels. Best prologue it, in I romance, I mean, like, yeah. that prologue does so much heavy lifting, like, please, yeah. just stop. And then, um, the, but... So I read The Gift, which is my favorite, which is not my, I guess it's not my favorite. Like, it is the one that I think about the most because of the prologue. Yeah. But it is not, like, I've certainly read The Bride many more times. Right. Anyway, but The Gift begins, the prologue is a wedding, and it begins with, like, the two families at this wedding are going to kill each other. Like, it's it's basically, like, the Montagues and the Capulets, but, like, worse. Like, they can't, they're basically, like, everyone's got their broad, it feels like everyone's got their broadswords out. Like, in my head, it's not. It's Regency set, so everyone has, I don't know, their... Their swords at their, their sides. Quills. I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> also, I want to talk about the fact that everything feels medieval in these books. So, um, but th- anyway, so so there there's this wedding, and like the king, King George the Third is fully mad at this point. Like, um, you know, deep into his his final illness, like the regent. I don't think the regency. He, the regent is not on the on the throne yet, but soon will be the prince regent. Yeah. And he's there, and he sort of, they they romance reason out, uh, you know, they romance reason around this, sure. like, marriage between the two families, to, which feels, again, like, Scottish. Like, it feels like it should be a border marriage, but it's not. Right. It's just, like, two families marrying. Right. Two and, households, both alike yeah. in dignity. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> For, so the hero is, four, the, the groom at this wedding is 14 years old. And he comes in, and he's, like, a tall, lanky 14-year-old boy, and, like, he's ready to get married. And then, like, the bride is described as being just young, like, extremely young. But, like, you know, this is 1991. Like, right. it, extremely young could be, like, six, like, you know, every, every heroine is extremely young in 1991. Yes. And so you're sort of reading it through, reading it through, and, like, she's, like, obstinate and, like, you know, headstrong, and you start, you're sort of like, oh, I'm going to love her. She's great. She sounds like exactly the <laughs> right. kind of heroine that I'm going to love, right? And then suddenly, it's like the last line, of the, she she gets to the wedding, and she runs, like she gets she gets lifted up bodily yeah, and, like, right. delivered to the groom, like, and he's, like, holding her in his hands, and she looks at him, and she says, Papa's going to spank me, <laughs> yeah. and he's like, 
And he and he's like, no, he's not. And then she says, you'll protect me. And he's like, and it's basically the line is like, from that moment on, he was her protector. And then she falls asleep in right. his arms. And then the last line of the prologue is, the bride was four years old. Right. And you're like, what? And then they, <laughs> and then of course, they separate. Like, sure. They have until to. She's, until she's 18. Like, right. And then, you know, he decides he's going to kidnap Meanwhile, her. Meanwhile. Which is a whole separate thing. I gotta <laughs> tell you, in 2020, the papa's gonna spank me line lands a whole lot differently. Because <laughs> we're in a different world. So. I mean, but like, it's so bananas because I think this, imp- like, talk about imprinting stuff on, like, imprinting on you. Like, there, this is where, I mean, like, half your age plus seven rule out the window in these early books. Oh, like, yeah. Right. Please. The heroine's always, like, just 18. The hero, in this case, is 28. Yeah. Which feels young, frankly, compared to... Sure. I mean, yeah, a lot. I mean, I will say that. Like, the, you know, because I guess part of me wants to be like, I don't know, what was the life expectancy in Scotland in 1100? I mean, so, well, I mean, you know, <laughs> Alec Kincaid is... You know, 27, I'm sure. Whatever. Yeah, but he feels older. Of course, because he's Alec Kincaid. Because he's a daddy. <laughs> yeah, he is. Oh, God. <laughs> Papa's going to spank me. Okay. No. Um, no, wrong. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Too much. <laughs> I have a whole daddy theory, but I have never aired it publicly, and I'm not sure it's going to happen today. Oh, everybody's freaking out about the fact that she's four. She's not, like, they're not in love. Like, he's basically, like, they're both children. Yeah, they're both children. It's literally like a betrothal. It's it's not. It's just like you're supposed to feel like, and the whole story is like how awful it is that this marriage, also this marriage is technically illegal. The only reason why it was allowed to happen was because the king, who at the time was like kind of, you know, was was losing losing his faculties, right? Yeah. Like, he's, this yeah. is not, this is, <laughs> I want to no. be very clear. Right. It's a betrothal. It's, it's like, you know, it's kind of like, I mean, for those of you who've read the Hidden Legacy series, you know, it's like magical, powerful families, like, make these, you know, essentially arrange these marriages when their children are young to, like, cement these family ties, and that's what's happening here, right? So, I think that that's a big part of it. In the book I read today, which was The Wedding, Brenna is very young when um, her older, she has a much older sister. She's like the seventh of eight children. So her much older sister is already thinking about getting married and Brenna's like a little girl, like, you know, again, five or six. And she is um, like, well, will I have to find my own husband? Is that how this works? You know, and so her older sister's like, yes, you have to do it. Like, they're joking around. And then Brenna, this is the one where Brenna is out chasing the piglet, I don't know if you re- remember this, yeah, right? Of course, and she catches, of she catches the piglet, but then the big pig comes to like get her piglet back, and Connor <laughs> saves her, right? He's probably again, you know, she's four again. I probably it's ten years yeah. of different. He's a young yeah. teenager, and she's like, "It's you, it, yeah." And she's you know has a crush on him because he saved her and her piglet, right? And so this is you know then what happens? The setup for this one is many many years later she is betrothed to marry you know, a bit ba- like a, the bad, the, the bastard Mc, like McLean, I think. No, is it McLean? Maybe. McNair. I was like, McNair. that doesn't sound That's right. That's me. But no, maybe there is. Who it's knows? McNair, the bastard McNair. And um, Connor, to like basically fuck with this guy, goes to get Brenna. He's like, well, she did ask me to marry her once, so I have the right 
to, you know, take her and then right. they, right? I mean, this is the thing, like the twisty turny. Here's the thing that's fascinating about all these books. Like these days, right, when you write a historical, first of all, like you would never start with the bride was four years old. No. I mean, like, you just wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. And it doesn't matter that they separate for then 14 years. Like, they don't see each other for 14 years. Um, But also, I think what's really interesting about these books is this idea of, um, like, romance reasons are everywhere in these books. Like, Like I said, this, so the gift is Regency. This is fully illegal. Like, in the Regency, you cannot get married without the woman consenting, and the age of consent is 18 for marriage. Like, period, done. But, like, you know, Julie Garwood is just like, well, King George is doing his thing, and so he'll just, like, sign a decree that says that this particular marriage is legal, and, like, that's all I have to worry about. Right. Until, like, at the end of the book, and literally that's the conflict through the whole book, is, like, are they married, are they not married, because, like— yeah romance reasons and then at the end you know it really sort of works itself out in this like very romantic way they use the fact that like maybe they are not married in order to like really nail down the dark moment and then the climax of the book right yeah but the the and then in your case like you know in scotland if she said that she wanted to marry him and he said he wanted to marry her, even if they were joking, then they're married, right? Sure. I mean, I've used that, too, in a book. But <laughs> the yeah. that kind of, like, these kind of, like, funky historical rules end up being really valuable in these older historicals. And part of what I love about that as a writer and reading these books as a writer is this idea of, like, maybe we are all, like, too hung up on fossils because Julie Garwood pulled this off book after book after book after book. You know? There's a... I mean, we talked about voice, but, like, Julie Garwood... There's a lot of humor in Julie Garwood books. And... It's not, like, laugh-out-loud funny. It's not that kind of humor. But it a lot of it is really um, rooted, I think, in dialogue and the way that um, these people talk to each other, right? They're so fun. They're so fun. The dialogue, I mean, it's, it's like Julia Quinn yes. style. Like, yes. really, you could, and again, I don't know about the wedding, but, like, mine, the gift, like, not a ton. It feels a lot like Gentle Rogue in the sense that when we did Gentle Rogue, we were like, not a, not a ton happens in this book. Right. Like, not a ton happens in the gift. Like, you know, they come back together when she's 18. He kidnaps her. Or, no, he he thinks he's going to kidnap her. And then, like, it's a whole, like, rollicking adventure novel style. Like, she ends up, like, punching a bunch of people in a tavern and saving her aunt. And he's just, like, following along behind her, like, cleaning up her messes. Yes. And then they, like, end up on his ship. And then it's like, oops, now we're married. And so, but the the this idea of, you know, the the way that the books are structured, like, it's really about the two of them talking to each other. Yes. One of my favorite parts of The Gift, and I have not reread it in forever, but it, it used to, like, make me laugh every time I read it, is Sarah realizes that, like, other um, men have, like, pet names for their wives— Right? No, he, he, yeah, she says, you don't call me any yes. of those things. And then she's like, oh, wait, no, you do. 
you call me damn it Sarah. (laughs) (laughs) Because she's constantly like leaving stuff all over and he's like, damn it Sarah. And then he like literally just, and every time I read that scene, I laugh. Tell yes. me it. I haven't read it in a long time, so tell me if I'm wrong. But No, but then, like, it, the here's the brilliance of Julie Garwood, right? So, like, it's all fun and games, right? It's funny. Sarah and, and Nathan are always yelling at each other. Like, and the way, first of all, incredibly smart writing. Because she'll say something, and then his response, and you'll read it normal. Like, in normal speak in your head. <laughs> and then his response will be like, my hearing is perfect, wife. Like, you don't have to shout. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, wait, oh my God, they're yelling. <laughs> like, yes. Yes. It's really fun. Like, it, it's a constant surprise to the reader of, like, what's happening. So, again, just, like, tremendous dialogue work is going on in these books. Um, but also... What's so smart about it is she lays these breadcrumbs of, you know, oh, you call me damn it, Sarah, right? But then at the end, when he has completely fucked up, like, he owes her a thousand apologies for a thousand different things, right? He goes to his brother-in-law and is like, I have heard you call my sister by a number (laughs) of these, like, diminutive words. I would like you to make me a list of these words that you use so that I may ask my wife which ones she cares for, and then I will use those words with her. Like, it's so... I know. It's so alpha, right? Like, he's like, I have feelings, and I don't love it. Yes. (laughs) What do I do? (laughs) Absolutely. It's That's... And that, I will say right there, if you want to know what I imprinted on... It is that business of, like, I, I, this woman has literally, like, fallen into my lap, essentially, right? I didn't want her, but now she's here, and I will never let her go, and at the same time, I will never tell her how I feel about her, because what are feelings? That's all I want from, and these Julie Garwood heroes, every single time they deliver it. Every time. Also, the heroines in these books are perfect foils, right? Yes. Sarah from, like, chapter six is like, I love you. Like, she says it to him every day. I love you. And every day he's like, thanks. Oh, man. <laughs> and every day she's like, I don't, I'm not going to feel bad. I'm not going to feel bad about my feelings. Like, yeah. this is your problem. Not, this is a you problem and not a me problem. Yeah. And, like, they t- she talks about, like, she's like, at one point she's like, I have, I'm, like, I may have been a child when our dumb parents signed this contract. terrible bride contract, but I have read the contract front to back, and it says that you are required to love and cherish me, so that's your job. You need to love and cherish me. Yes. And I love that. Like, yes, I want heroines who are like, I'm not playing your silly games. Right. You have issues, but I don't. Like, yeah, I've got things to do, right? I've got business to take care of. Um... Let's talk about this. I could come back to some things about the wedding. Um, because at the end, we can sort of talk about, like, villains. Can we, wait, can we just yeah. put a, can we just finish up on heroes? Yes. Because I also want to talk about, like, how much these heroes love their heroines. Yes. Like, from the jump. Right? Like, they literally, it's like an and the love anvil fell on their heads and they don't know what to do about it. Uh, I mean, it feels almost paranormal. It feels like fear may see. Yes. Like, agree. In the gift, right? He's so the, the premise 
But the reason why they come back together when she's 18 is because until there is an heir, right, romance reasons, until there is an heir, the, the like, jewel of the crown of the land that the king has offered for this marriage does not actually transfer to him until they've had an heir. But I think that's why they're children at the beginning. I think this is fated mates, right? Like that's, yeah. Right. I mean, like what's interesting about this is like when we talk about paranormal and Cressley, like going back to like how we talk about fated mates with Cressley. Yeah. Part of, I think, why paranormal worked so well in the, you know, mid-aughts and on until, you know, everybody got paranormal fatigue was that the heroes really felt like they were those old-school historical heroes. Like, Nathan from The Gift is basically, well, what's his name from, he's like Mr. Vivisection. Yes, And I guess he's not, but like that's the premise, right? Right. Um, Yeah. So so this idea of like the hero, like there, yeah, it is Faded Mates in all these books. Yes. It never, unless, I mean. Well, and, but instead of, I mean, in Paranormal, it's kind of like we're from different factions of the lore. In these, it's just like, I'm Scottish, you're British, and we're sworn enemies, right? I mean, yeah. that is often, you know, the sort of the culture shock of I'm with my most hated enemy, right? Yeah. So the Julie Garwood hero, in my head, every Julie Garwood hero, again, right? This is not in my head. This book is medieval, and it reads medieval, right? For lots of reasons, not the least of which is child bride, right? Like, right, which is a real medieval thing. But the um, but Julie Garwood in my head reads medieval because in my head, every Julie Garwood hero ultimately wraps the heroine in his plaid. Oh yeah, that's in the, the woods, mm-hmm. right? And then they do it in there. But the um, but in this case, right? He's a pirate, which is sort of the same. Yeah. And so, and at one point, like, she, it's the first night that they're on his pirate ship, and he's basically like, no, you sleep with me. Like, we're, this is, hi, welcome, we're getting married. Like, yeah. and he's, at this point, he's already decided he's keeping her forever. Of course. Right? Like, initially, it was like, oh, I just need to get her with child. I'm keeping her for a year. But now, I'm never going to And then he go. sees never. her, like, climb out a window, and he's like, well, I'm gone. Right? It's forever <laughs> now. And so, um, and he says, like, and she says, well, where do I sleep? And he says, you sleep on the inside of the bed, because then if somebody comes through the door, they have to come through me to get to you. And it's like, oh, like, yeah, that's put the, it in my vein. <laughs> that's the stuff right there, right? <laughs> other thing that's really interesting about these books is um yeah I mean okay one thing I just saw go by is that these are books from the 90s like consent issue there are definitely problematic elements about consent there's often like fat shaming um you know there is some pretty bad fat shaming in uh, the gift, which was a surprise to me. I did not remember it. Yeah. I mean, a lot of that stuff, like, just lands really differently now. Like, we are talking about books that are 30 years old, and so for sure, if you, you know, go into these, you should kind of know that. But one of the things that I also think is really fascinating about these books, though, and it makes sense, especially for the medievals, but also for these is, um, the mar- you know, in, in many ways, these kind of function trope-wise as marriage of convenience stories. They are married at the beginning because these are not books about courting, right? I mean, so, you know, he takes Brenna and they go off and they are married. And, you know, here's the other thing. I was kind of like, one of my 
Okay, this is one of my least favorite things, and I'm going to blame it on Twilight. Whatever Breaking Dawn, whatever number four is. Like, sometimes now you read a book where there's, like, a marriage of convenience at the beginning, but, like, for whatever reason, they wait 150 pages to have sex. And I'm always like, but they're married. Like, what's going on? <laughs> That's so dumb. these books ruined you. <laughs> yeah, right? Because I'm like, listen, you know yeah. what? Connor is like, okay, we're married now, so we're going to go ahead and do it. You know? And she's yeah. like, all right, that, that seems okay. I'm, that makes yeah. sense. I know my duty, right? But, of course, it's great. But it is really interesting the way, like, there's... There's no, like, all of the tension in the relationship, it's not sexual tension, really. Right? It's... They're very into each other from the start. I mean, like... From the beginning. I mean, in in the gift, like, from the jump. Like, he is, like... He and he sort of warned there's like the whole wedding night, like he warns her it's gonna hurt, and then like it does, and like it, there's like that whole like old school romance, like virginal whatever, right? Yes. That goes on, but like by like the second time they're doing it, it's like she's amazing, like, yes, anytime yeah. you want it, I want it too, yes. and then they do they do what I what I we need to sort of come up with a phrase for like they do the post danger bang. Yes. Which is, like, he's a pirate, right? They're on a pirate ship, so it, like, you know, there are any any number of scenarios where, like, (laughs) one or both of them is nearly dead, right? And um, the post-Danger Bang happens. Yeah. And then it's great. It's it's great. great. It's great. Because he's, like, like, just cannot handle feelings. Well, in this one, though, this one's great. In the wedding... You know, I don't know, he has to kill somebody, whatever. And he, like, storms back into the house. She calls him, you know, she, like, sees him and calls him up. And they actually, like, skip over it. But then the next morning, he is, like, so horrified that he might have scared her that he's, like, well, maybe she needs her own room. And then she finds him and basically, like, curses him out. Like, you hurt me. We had the most beautiful night together. Why did you leave? That happens in the gift, too. There's some... This is a Julie Garwood thing. Like, yeah. I... And then he left right after. Yeah. And, like, and, of course, like, Sarah runs after him and is like, you don't get to leave. Like, you said you would cherish me. <laughs> yes. Right. Absolutely. You know, this is what husbands do. Um, Do you want to talk about, like, I don't know. What else do you... Well, so we talked about the heroes. So here are these sort of, like, heroes who can't feel yeah. but, like, absolutely are... Mind blown for the heroine right away. Yes. Um, I really, in, in the wedding, is there like a moment where everyone's life is on the line? Yes. So here's the other thing, and I think maybe this is like the conversion. The other thing that's really interesting in these books is the there's a straight up villain, right? I mean, it, like, so for example, in the wedding, When he was a boy, his father was killed, and he then goes to Alec Kincaid. Alec is actually a a big, uh, like, a big secondary character in this book, Mm -hmm. and says, you are my brother now. My father told me to come to you, and and so um, we see Alec and Jamie actually quite a bit in this book, but one of Connor's, like, big things is, like, who is it that's going to who is it that killed my father until I know I can like never rest. And it turns out that it's, it was his father's second wife. 
And so he hasn't really, you know, Connor's like, you know, oh, God, my my stepmother has been in mourning for 17 years. And then once he gets remarried, she reappears with her terrible son who attempts to rape, who attempts to rape Brenna and she kills him, like throws him out the window. Wait, Brenna kills him? Yes. See, like, this is interesting because that's what happens. I mean, it's not quite the same. Right. But there's a, like, the heroine is Saves always herself. proactive in these books, yes. right? Yes. And that's the other thing, I think, is when the villain plot unfolds in these books, whatever it is, the heroine is a big part of of saving herself, of yes. defending herself. Like, they're not just these, like, shy wallflowers. And then, no. you know, the man kind of, you know, hero appears and is like, I can't believe I left you on your own. And she's like, well, you're here now, you dummy, but I took care of it, right? No, but in in mine, there's this moment, so he's a pirate, and they're on a pirate ship. And also, like, there is a serious amount. So everybody should understand that, like, this pirate ship, she has a... She has a they have a pirate, like, um, hideaway, I guess. Like, they have an sure. island. Like, a pirate hideaway in the Caribbean. And so, like, that kind of... The whole Caribbean piece of this, like, it's the Caribbean in the Regency. Like, and I was like, oh, what's oh. happening? What's happening? And they, she just, like, waves away. Like, it's like, here's a pirate hi- hideaway. And that's the only thing that's going on in the Caribbean. So, yes. like, I want everybody to be aware of, like, there's some real, like, 90s-level Caribbean... Yeah, just hand waving here. But um so they get to this so they're they're on the pirate ship. The pi- like they are attacked by another group of pirates who are of course not noble pirates. Like they are noble pirates. These are not noble pirates who attack them. Um and then she accidentally so like then they don't know that she that she's on the ship and so she's got like two pistols and a knife and she's like running herself into battle and like he is tied up and so she rescues him sort of like basically cuts mm-hmm. like cuts the ropes and gives him a, a pistol but she's got another one and then like things happen and then she accidentally sh- shoots the captain of the other ship in the face and he just like she shoots his nose off and so she's <laughs> of course i remember this actually like, i had this moment where i'm like she can't shoot she can't kill him right this is this is like pre-dates yeah. i feel like before sarah the other sarah Derek craven sarah who like yeah in fact does although it's accidental kill a man at the beginning of a book. Like, I feel like heroines can't... It has to be accidental if they kill someone. Oh, yeah. Maybe that's true now. Like, are heroines allowed to kill people? I feel like yes. Yes, I think so. I feel like I they know. are. It's a little different. Um, But, yeah. But I, mean, I do she, like that she, like... I mean, yeah. there's... I do... I also appreciate that for some people this might feel, like, too stupid a little bit. Like... You can't fire a gun. You don't know how to wield a knife. And here you are, like, going up against pirates. But what else are you going to do? Right. Yeah. I found it actually really, like, there's a way in which she just very much wants to handle her own business. Right? And she knows she has to tell Connor, but he, like, kind of, that she's under threat from rain. She's been, like, hiding and locking herself in the room and carrying around a dagger. And what's amazing is, essentially, all of, all the, the servants in the home and and his soldiers know that something is going on with her but they are completely incapable of seeing that anyone would like attack the laird's wife so they can't like kind of put two and two together she just and she's like i can't tell them before 
I tell my husband, so I just have to take care of this by myself. And so there's a way in which these are heroines that are deeply competent, right? I mean, even, I mean, and Jamie in, in The Bride, right, Alec Kincaid's, and she's a healer, right? I mean, so there's also, and the, this is true in The Secret, she's a midwife. Yeah. Um. Also, since we're talking about midwives and healers, um, Sarah gets her period, Real. Oh, I remember this. She gets her period like a week after. Like it's not a I'm not pregnant period. Yeah, it's a I'm a now miserable. I have my period. And what's weird about it? And I mean, it's not weird. It's kind of great because it serves no purpose except to like that it happens. She, yeah. she got her period. She well, actually, that's not true. It does serve a purpose because she gets cramps. And then it's a very Kate Claiborne moment where, like, <laughs> she gets cramps and then he goes to her aunt, like, who's in another cabin, and is like, what do I do? Like, <laughs> she's in pain. Yes. I have feelings and I can't feel them. <laughs> I can't fix this for her. Yes. And, then, and she's like, go rub her back. Like, go. Yeah. Just, like, hold her. And yeah. he's, do you remember this? He's seasick. He gets yes. seasick. He's yes. a pirate with seasickness. <laughs> it's amazing. Oh, great. And so there's, like, a storm going on outside, and the boat is roiling, and he's roiling, but he, like, won't leave her. Yeah. And it's real nice. It is. I don't know. Like, these books, I feel like they, you, they do imprint. Like, they yeah. imprint it on us. Yeah, for sure. I think the thing that—so, yeah, I mean, so for me, it's, like, this, you know, there's no plot because it's, the plot is them falling in love. Right? It's not sexual tension because they're already married and they've already done it. And it's great. Like, that's just not really an issue. But it also feels like, and I don't know if this is true for the one that you read, but, like, at the end of the gift, it, lots lots of stuff happens, right? Like, they, Oh, yeah. Like, first of all, they, like, go instantly from this, like, pirate hideaway island to, like, London in a chat. Like, it's, like, at the end of one chapter, at the beginning of the next, they're back in London. Like, there's no more boat, which is fine because you did the boat with them on the, on the way out. And then they get to London, and then there's, like, a lot of, like, rigmarole. About, <laughs> like, yes. it is truly, like... I honestly don't care. Yeah. Like, and I mean that with love. Like, but I don't care, like, whose parents are mad and what happened with his dad and, like, sure. why. Like, all I want is for the two of them to, like, mash their faces together. And, like, I want this big dummy to, remember to like, learn that he loves her. Yeah. Um, and realize that he loves her, which, and then he, there's, like, kind of a misunderstanding where he, like, believes that she's betrayed him. Ah, there's also another, like, kind of moment that I think everybody needs to be aware of is, like, there is an evil, old, there, an evil other woman who has, like, scarred him in a fire. Like, oh, she's yeah. not on the page, but, like, he's been burned by women before. Oh, my God. These men and their scars, right? I, I mean, mean, this is, all of this is just, like, straight out of the, like, romance playbook for me. Well, but yeah. there's a great moment. This is, like, my catnip, is she sees, the first time she sees him without a shirt on, she screams. <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, my God. Everyone, all the men on the boat are like, oh, she saw the scars. Like, he's hideous. He's terrified her, right? And she screams, and he tur- and then it flips. There's a lot of, like, POV shifting in the books, oh, yes. too, where, like, you're in everyone's POV all the time, which is right. cool. Like, I really like that when you're in, like, you know, the 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 guy who's in the rigging's POV. He, yes. he hears her scream and thinks, and then you jump to the, her, the hero. Mm-hmm. And, the he- and so Nathan's like, oh, I, I've terrified her with, like, my hideous scars. Right. And he's like, 
I should have turned the lights off or whatever. I forget what he says. Lost the candles. Who knows? And then she's like, um, she's like, no, I'm not, I'm not like scared of them. I'm furious. I'm furious. Who did this to you? Oh God. And then he's like, I feel feelings. Oh yeah. I don't like it. (laughs) So you also read the secret, which is one of my favorites. And I'm going to go ahead and say something that maybe Kelly doesn't know. So this book came out in 1992. Kelly and I had gone away to college. And this is a book about, this is, this does break the sort of friend rule because Judith has a best friend. Right. And I very much remember the first time reading it, thinking about how much I miss my best friend because we were away to college together. It's true. That's true, Kelly. So, yeah, I mean, I think this is one that really I felt that sense of, like, it felt different to me because it was so important that she was going to be with her friend um, and essentially was determined, like, the virgin midwife is, like, a great trope, too, right? Mm Kind of like the virgin widow, you know, like, delivering babies. But it's, like, imagine. I really love these books still. Yeah. And I think there are, like, there are definitely things that are of a time, and, like, you have to go into them eyes wide open. But, like, God, every time these heroes do the thing where they're like, I'll kill anyone who touches you. Oh, mine, yeah. mine, 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 mine. Right? Like, ugh. I mean, oh, surely yeah. Cressley Cole read the shit out of these books. I mean, I, I absolutely. I that. <laughs> I absolutely. Mean. I think the thing that's also really interesting is, um, so... Okay, wait. I know we were talking about The Secret, and I wanted to say something about The Wedding. So, The Wedding came out in 1991, and there's this really funny plot that is such a ripoff of Home Alone, which it came out in 1990. That's funny. Which is, she is the seventh of eighth children, but, like, her profile is that she keeps getting left behind. That there are several times in the book that her parents just, like, sort of forgot about her, thought one of the other kids was watching her. Yeah. And one of her biggest things with Connor is, like, don't leave me behind. Don't leave me behind. Right? And so she has this medallion that's made that it's, like, if any one of, she sent it to any one of her siblings, they would immediately know to come get her. Right? And and so she makes one for Connor because she's like, well, you're my family now, too. And so this is how it works for you, too. Oh, that's and so it's, nice. And I it's was kind of like, like, this is home alone. Like, and it's really funny because I never the token that, like, of, like, I mean, some writers do that yes. beautifully. Yes. I mean, we've talked about this with Lisa Kleypas. Right. And in in The Bride, right, it's like his sword at the yeah. end when they're, right, everyone's throwing the rubies and the diamonds, right? Repayment for the Lady Kincaid. Ugh. Oh, stop. Stop it. I can't. It's so good. <laughs> I wonder if these books are on audio. I will say one other thing. Speaking yeah. of, like, cinema and, like, the impact of film, clearly, yeah. like, modern film. I mean, Anybody who's read my books knows that I really love to play with, like, things are happening in in media, right, in my books. And the hero, um, Nathan, in this book, he has a whip. And it's, like, very Indiana, Indiana Jones. Jones. Like, yeah. very. And it's ten years later. So, I mean, I think it's just. It, you know who doesn't love Indiana Jones, right? Sure. But you, but there's like a moment where she, she, yeah, she does leave her stuff all over his cabin, and like she hangs up all her like her unmentionables like to dry on. His, she uses his whip as a clothesline. <laughs> like there are these like great moments, yes, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, and I think that's that's part of it too. Is 
th- this one too, Brenna like leaves stuff all over and ev- and then like picks up other things and then people like return everything to the castle and make sure to tell Connor that she wasn't stealing. Right? She yeah. wasn't stealing things, but we think that she accidentally took this one when she meant to take this one. And you know, that's funny how many of them when you read them all, like right, like what I don't know if Julie Gar would like left stuff all over. I don't know if that's her core story, but <laughs> But also, the other piece of this is, like, the brotherhood of men taking ownership of the heroine is really interesting. So what was going on with, like, the clan, like, repayment for the Lady Kincaid, right? Mm -hmm. But what's going on in this book, in The Gift, is all the men who were the crew of the ship, who she refers to at the beginning as her staff, which I think is extremely amusing, right? And he's like, everybody's constantly like, please don't call it a boat. Please don't call them the staff, right? (laughs) Right. Like, please just get it together. (laughs) Um, And her, but her whole thing is like, his townhouse has been burned down for romance reasons. His like country house has been burned down for romance reasons. Um, And so like, he lives on this boat, the Seahawk, right? And then, and uh, I'm supposed to call it a ship. This, he lives on this sure. ship, right? And so she's like, well, then if you live on this ship and I am married to you and I have been trained my whole life to run a household, this is my household. And so these are my staff, right? right. And so, like, she feels deep loyalty to all these men. And, like, whenever she, and she's, like, very bad luck on this ship. She, like, sets oh, it yeah. on fire by accident. And then, like, damn it, accident, Sarah. He makes, he makes, <laughs> she makes soup for the crew and they all get food poisoning. Like, it's actually very amusing. Right. And this is, like, chapter after chapter. Like, this is what happens in this book. Like, this woman wreaks havoc on a ship. Yes. And so, um, but what's great is by the end, like, there is a moment where she, she basically slips them all. Like, she takes off. Yeah. And they can't find her. And it, for, like, two chapters, he's, like, chasing through London on her, on her trail trying to find her. And when she finally gets back to the ship, all the crew is, like, lined up to basically tell her that she's worried them yes. and that they they do not appreciate being worried by her. Right. And it's this, like, really beautiful moment where they're all, like, we love you. Like, you're ours. Yeah. And it's that, like, Belonging, again, one of those, like, right? cornerstone romance moments where, like, the brotherhood accepts yeah. the wife. Right? Yes. But again, like, no friends. Yeah. I mean, she has an aunt, I guess, but... Yeah. Well, and like I said, I felt like maybe that's why one of The Secret was one of my favorites. And actually, in this one, Brenna and Jamie are kind of friendly. Like, they're not real close. I mean, that's the other problem, of course, too, right? Like, you know, you gotta get on a horse and ride a couple days. But in this one, the other thing is, um, in the wedding, Brenna teaches herself to ride bareback on his stallion that no one else can handle but him. Sure. Yes. Of course. Obviously. Obviously. And and the stable hand. Wait, isn't one of them the wolf book, too? Isn't that the bride where she tames the wild wolf? Obviously. I mean, obviously (laughs) she's tame. It's just animals are always symbols. Who's the real wild thing she's taming? That man. (laughs) She's taming that man, Sarah. Right? If you tame that man, you can certainly tame his steed. Sure. But it's amazing. I mean, like, I just feel like I, here's the thing. So I sat down to reread. I've read The Bride a million, a hundred million times. Yeah. But, I, you know, Sarah and I was like, well, we'll each read two. So I was looking which ones I owned on my Kindle. And I, I was like, The Wedding. I don't think I've read that one in a while. And I was like, I'll just kind of, like, 
dip in and out. And then I sat down, Sarah, and I had to just read it straight through. There was no skipping around. I didn't around. read The Secret because I didn't reread The Secret because I was, because I started late. Yeah. And then like, I and I started The Gift and I was just like, I I know this book. I mean, it's sure. going to be fast. And no, no, no. It's just, three and a half hours of yeah. just like sitting on my couch. Yes. It was great. It was, it awesome. was amazing. So yes. Julie Garwood, we love you. If you're listening, we love you. I think, you know what, it would be really interesting. I'm seeing a lot of people in the chat who've said they've never read Julie Garwood. Um, I mean, outside of sort of the warnings about... Yeah, with a caveat. Yeah, of course. It's 1991. Sure. I I would still be really interested in hearing if people do read her for the first time. One of the things, if we you go back and, like, read, like, listen to our Gentle Rogue episode, it's like, these... I when I read these books now, I'm like, this is like the core of where it comes from for me. It it invented these tropes for me, right? And I've seen them play out in a million different ways. But this yeah. is like going right back to like the source of all story for me, yeah. right? It's like the wellspring. Yeah. Same. I mean, you and I. That's why you and I became f- such good friends. Like this, there. If you if you love Cressley. Yes. For all the reasons that we love Cressley, you will very likely love these books. Like, they have a lot of those, or you will at least appreciate these books. They have a lot of those, like, cornerstone, you know, things in them, tropes in them. Yeah. Um, But I can also, I I just, like, I think it's important because we say, like, oh, it's 1991. Like, that's 30 years ago. Yeah. Like, I mean, I... It hurts to say that, but, like, that's a long time ago in romance. And then, you know, we talk so much about romance generations. Like, a year in romance is, like, 12 years in a regular world, unless it's 2020. Um, And so it just feels like, just remember where you're—you have to sort of appreciate there's a lot going on in these. Um, Yeah. Well, and I think it's—one of the things that's really interesting to me is there's a way in which— old movies or old TV shows are kind of more present, right? I mean, like, you can run across an old episode of Friends or see a clip or, um, you know, an old movie from 1991. I mean, I think, like, Silence of the Lambs came out in 1991 or whatever, right? Like, these are things that, like, you can sort of watch on a regular basis. But I feel, so maybe it doesn't feel quite as, like, they don't feel quite as dated because they're still, like, present. But when you really, like, dial back into the romance archives, it feels like a very deliberate choice to, Mm -hmm. to, like, travel back to time in that way. And I do think that it, like, it just lands differently. And some things I have grandfathered in where I can still go back and read things and kind of be like, this is terrible, but I... It, it has its place in my soul. Garwood, I do think, is still accessible in a lot of ways, just with I that, so like, that caveat. Like, yeah. of course, you're going to read some stuff that's going to be different, but... I mean, as yeah. you know, there have been books... When we did last last season, when we did the books that blooded us, like, there were a couple of books that I think were on my list and maybe you're on yours, too, where we, like, on the reread, were like, ah, no, yes. like, we can't, in good conscience, right. read this book. I think in... In this case, yeah, it's right. a different kind of reread. But also, I think, like, fundamentally, I think this is a modern, there is a, this is a romance with a modern touch. Like, right. this is not a hero. These are heroines who really do take control. Yes. And, like, control of the hero in really interesting ways. Like, when we talk about this kind of, the the patriarchy loop that... Mm-hmm 
um, old historicals, te- you know, follow. This is these are kind of textbook old historicals. But yeah. also, if you've never read Julie Garwood and you love Julie Julia Quinn, right? You, I think, will probably really love Julie Garwood. Yes, absolutely. Um, the dialogue is so sparkling. Yes. It's the hallmark. It's a hallmark of the text. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I would say then like my like my my kind of final thought on that is you know when we did the Vivian Stevens episode when we talked about sort of like those first like first category romances coming out like what would have been a decade earlier we really see the evolution of the heroine Right? She's she's going to win at the end of these books in a way that sometimes didn't really feel like it happened in early categories. And the way that happens is that the hero is like, I need her, and my life is better with her, and my people are better with her. Right? Like, there's really a sense of, like, them kind of moving forward in a partnership, and that sometimes isn't always the case in, you know, like 10 years earlier, that was not the case, really. So I think yeah. that's probably why, right? Like, I I remember reading these and knowing that they were different. And I yeah. think that's a big reason why. Well, also, let's not forget that the 90s is when we started to see the hero's point of view. Yes. And that changed everything, right? Like, yes. in romance, that changed the whole ball game. Yep. The reason why we have heroes who we, you know, when you talk to readers who started even in the 70s with Kathleen Woodowis, right? Like, very few readers are like, oh, Brandon from Flame and the Flower is my favorite hero. No. Like, because we never saw Brandon, but we see Alec, we see Nathan, we see, like, these, you know, we see Derek Craven, we yep. see... All these, and that that turning point is the early 90s. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, and there are, I have a lot of theories, and we'll get into them. It's too late now, but we'll get into them another time on, like, why I think those early 90 heroes did the thing that they did. Yes. Um, but, yeah. Julie Garwood, man. It's good stuff. I'm probably going to have to reread The Bride after this. <laughs> I mean, it's like, again, if you say Alec Kincaid, it's got to happen. So... That was Fade and Mates. What do you want to do? What do you want to do? We should say, like, all the things we'd say if we were ending. Eric Mortensen's our producer. That's what blah, I was blah, blah. say. I was okay, say it. it all. Sorry, Eric. I don't mean, you're not blah, 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 <laughs> Eric. Uh, wh- what do we usually say? <laughs> now you've ruined it. <laughs> Sorry, Sarah. <laughs> Kelly once wrote us a very long thing, and we never look at it. I know. So, Sorry. I know. Everything you need to know us about uh, about us is on our website, which maybe has a new landing page. Yeah, it's it, it's looking really nice. It could, it might. Who knows? Surprise. Um, Fatedmates.net is that website. There you can find merch links to Best Friend Kelly for buttons. You can find uh, merch links to Jordan Denae for shirts and bags and uh, other things. You can find um, transcripts. Thank you to Linda and Gwen for doing our transcripts for us, for working on transcription. Um, And you can find our Spotify playlist for all the musical interludes that are in these episodes. And uh, don't forget show notes. Jen writes show notes every week, and they are A+. They're amazing. Thank you, Sarah. They're amazing. This week's episode title is going to be Damn It, Sarah. No, not that, Sarah. Nice. Thank you. Another another Sarah with no H, I might add.
which is maybe best. I think it would be weird to read about myself. I can, I can be distanced from a new age Sarah. Fair. Um, thank you all so much. We love you. Uh, we hope you're having a great December. Um, thanks to everybody who is in the room writing postcards with us for John Ossoff and Reverend Warnock. If you are in uh, Georgia, you have an election coming up. Please do what you can to vote. You can vote early um, if you need to. And that election is January 5th. And if you'd like to join us for phone banking on January 4th, we would love to have you links and show notes.